guys, KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution by uniting mission-driven humans. I am so deeply excited for this conversation today. I am welcoming Mara Smith to the TNT mic. She is the founder of Inspiro Tequila, a thoughtfully crafted tequila that's additive-free, 100% agave, owned, created, and inspired by women. She has gone the extra mile to facilitate a women's empowerment through her brand, and I can't wait for you to hear more about her, this amazing tequila, and all the intention behind the brand. Get ready for this awesome conversation. Be sure to check us out wherever you get your podcasts and check out the video on YouTube. Cheers. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I am so excited today. We have Tequila family in the house. This is a connect of a connect. And if you listen to Turmeric and Tequila, you know that these are my favorite interviews because we haven't even connected in person yet, but they are a good friend of one of my connections and friends of friends of friends. So we're always starting off from a great point with that kind of energy. But I am welcoming Mara Smith. She is the founder of Inspiro Tequila. She is deeply passionate about tequila, obviously, uh, business being an entrepreneur and then involving women in her entire journey. So I'm going to give a quick intro about Mara and then I'm going to let her run because we have a wealth of information to share. She's an expert in the space, but Mara is a former attorney in Chicago, started drinking tequila when she was looking for a clean gluten-free spirit that fit into her active lifestyle. She and her friends enjoyed the versatile carb-free and zero sugar spirit, but they were not drawn to the traditional offerings. For years, Mara searched for tequila for a tequila brand that was additive free with a look, taste, and aroma that appealed to her and that she could share with her friends, family, and proudly display in her bar. That perfect tequila simply did not exist. So she decided to create one. Without further ado, Mara, welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Hi, so nice to be here. Yes. Well, so, okay, there's your formal introduction. I love this. It sounds, I started drinking tequila quite literally because it was plant-based and I always say it was like the best of all the poisons because I'm here for training and hard things and hence the anti-inflammatory turmeric, but then tequila side, the social, the fun is very, it's a passionate piece of my world. So we had to find that balance. Um, Tell me, how did you even get in? Why'd you start drinking tequila? And then tell me about how you were like, okay, how do we level this whole situation up? Yes. So actually, so I started drinking tequila for a number of reasons. One, I was looking for that clean spirit option that I didn't feel bad the next day. So although I like wine and enjoy wine, um, because of the sugar, I would not feel good the next day. Um, vodka had this really strange effect of, of waking me up in the middle of the night. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but, um, and in fact, I stopped drinking all alcohol for a number of years because I uh, unfortunately was suffering from severe like reflux and found that most alcohol like exacerbated that and made it worse. So then as I started trying and seeing what would work for me and uh, not bother me so much, what I discovered is this, that tequila, um, I, I wasn't feeling terrible the next day. It was sitting better with me, like high quality tequila, you know, 100% agave tequila. And not kind of the bad mixed tequila that you used to get sick from when you're younger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I just found that I, I felt better and I'm not mixing it in like sugary drinks or sugary margaritas. I'm drinking it a really clean way, usually, you know, tequila soda, um, maybe a little bit of fruit, but so that's kind of how I started drinking tequila and that became my drink of choice. So 
tequila soda really became my drink instead of like people were ordering, you know, vodka soda and I was ordering a tequila soda. Um, And I I generally just didn't feel terrible the next day. So that's kind of how I started drinking it. Um, What I did discover though, as I started researching a lot of tequila brands, as I was coming a little more, not a tequila connoisseur, but learning more about different brands, um, starting some research and discovered that so many tequila brands, really the ones that we all know and love, use additives. Yeah. So they use coloring, flavoring, glycerin. And when I learned that, I was a little taken aback because I said, okay, well, I'm drinking this because I want this really great clean spirit option. But I mean, I don't want additives in my food and I don't want it in my drink and I definitely don't want it in my tequila. So that is when I started kind of on the, the search for an additive-free tequila brand that had kind of the same taste profile that I really liked, but that was added-free. And also had like a look from a bottle design aspect. I know you have a marketing background. So that was a, I don't have a marketing background, but the bottle design was important to me and how it looked. Um, And even from the aroma profile part of it. So that is where I kind of was really searching for that brand and didn't, didn't find one. So had some, you know, just crazy idea that I would create my own. (laughs) Well, I think being an attorney is always nice because even if that's not your specialty in that arena, like you have some sort of base of what, because the legal side of establishing anything is really, really critical. Um, But I'm super impressed that number one, not only did you have, you know, family, full-time job, totally different, you know, arena of life. And then you're like, well, I see this situation and I can't do it better. Or I, I think I can do it better. However, like you were just saying, tequila is just like big food and big pharma where the biggest brands that have the biggest dollars are the ones you see the most. So, you know, they can make it cheaper doing these additives. You're entering into an arena that's highly, highly competitive amongst some very big dogs that are very deep pocketed. Um, and I, I, you know, we're going to talk about tequila and, and be intentional with involving w- women in your journey. But I think one of the biggest things I love to highlight in all my conversations is taking the leap, regardless of how big of it, you know, this challenge in front of us looks, and it might not be your thing. You might not be super prepared or have all this experience, or maybe you do, but just that, that first step, I think is the biggest one. So tell us a little bit about how you're like, okay, I've got this idea. I think I can do it better. What was your first point in like navigating that first step into the industry? So I think for me, it was all about research. So as you said, I, I do have a law background. And so for that, that came kind of naturally for me. Um, I also think women tend to do this in general anyways, before they put their idea out there or get into something, you know, even women before they apply for a job that they may even be overqualified for, like, I feel like they come in extra, extra prepared because yes. they don't feel as confident going in as maybe a man would. So for me, that involved research. So I was, you know, listening to webinars, reading books, like learning as much as I can about the industry. So um, I even took a course offered by the CRT, which is the governing body in Mexico for tequila and the production and history of tequila. So I really wanted to understand like the production process, um, you know, why they're using additives, what the, we're in the process they're using them and how it's expediting things or things like that. So I wanted to really understand, I want to understand the brands out there their positioning. Um, so that's really kind of how I started. I just started doing a ton of research, like books, listening to podcasts, you know, webinars, reaching out to industry experts. That's what I, that's how I went about. Like just understanding the industry in general was the first thing I wanted to do. It's like, you have a like really comprehensive knowledge of, you know, how tequila is made and how different tequilas are made differently. And, and even, I did tons of research on all the different types of distilleries and which distilleries. I knew I wanted a female master distiller. So I started researching 
which distilleries were owned and operated by women and who the female master distillers in the industry were. Um, I ended up finding a distillery and a separate master distiller, Anna Maria Romero Mania, and basically bringing my own chef into like someone else's kitchen um, to create a taste or taste profiles. But that's kind of how I dove in. And I think even though it's daunting to maybe pivot in a career or enter a new industry, I do think all the resources are out there and available. So, but there's no getting around the hard work. Like you have to be willing to, you know, really dive in and do a lot of the background work and due diligence. But if you're willing to do that, it's, you know, we have access to so much information, so it's possible. But that was, that was really my initial approach. It's just learning as much as I could. Yeah, absolutely. The the upside of all this social media and internet and all this information at our fingertips is that the information is at our fingertips. It's right there. So you got to do some digging. I think you got to find good information because there's a lot of bad information as well. But it's remarkable how much you can find just doing, you know, research behind your laptop and figuring out um, an industry. And I do think connections in that space are really critical. You obviously came up talking on my interview with Mike Morales and he's, it sounds like it's very tight tequila family. So I'm excited to get to know more of the, the, the model your fam and like how it all runs <laughs> if I'm, if I'm welcomed. Um, but how important was it, you know, working alongside people already in the industry? And do you feel like you were embraced as you came into it? So actually it's interesting. Often people ask, well, what's it like being a woman in the spirits industry? Because a big part of this was, I saw the potential of being able to make a, an impact by having a, by lending another female perspective to a very male dominated industry. And what I always say is that actually for me was not the biggest, um, hurdle in entering the industry. It is that it is actually a really like insular industry. I didn't realize that everybody kind of knows each other and coming yeah. in as an outsider, there are people who have been in for a really long time and worked their way up through, you know, the spiritual world or the Bev Elk world. And I came in as a complete outsider. So gaining, you know, cre- you know, earning respect, gaining credibility as an outsider, that actually for me was a big challenge. Sure. Um, and people like Mike, I feel like once they saw that I did do it right and I have a really authentic traditional process and, you know, we, we were trying to skip steps. We were really trying to adhere to like the tradition of tequila and come up with like a really great product, not just a beautiful bottle and not just great marketing story, but really great product. And once I had people like him, like experts in the area who tasted it and were like, wow, it really is good. Um, I think that's, you really have to prove it had to, you know, that was the proof of concept for me. And that's how I had to kind of, um, prove myself in the industry because I do think it's hard coming in. It's like, well, what do you know? You know, you haven't been in this industry for so long. Um, but I think the fact that as we talked about, I did do so much research to really understand it and have a really good, you know, kind of basis before I just like went in and like, I'm just going to go make tequila. I really tried to have a great understanding ahead of time. So I had, I had research. I knew who Mike Morales was. I had read his books. I had read his, you know, he has a book on like, I think it's like, um, something like the, the babes and tequila or something like that. It's a very small book about <laughs> all the women in the tequila industry. So I'd like read that. That's how I found my master distiller. So, um, and I think that's also just kind of how you earn the respect of people in any industry is coming in looking like you're really prepared and that you've done your homework. Yeah. So, but I do agree. It is this kind of like tight knit community. Um, 
I knew I needed some industry expertise. So actually one of the, one funny story is that I read an entire article on why not to start a tequila brand. <laughs> and at the end of the article, it said, but if you're going to, you should reach out to Greg Cohn because he helped market Patron tequila. And I'm like, okay. So instead of like heeding any of the warnings in the article, I sent a cold LinkedIn message to him, to Greg, and he responded, took the phone call, was enthusiastic, liked what I was doing. He's been consulting for me since then. He was like the first person I brought on. And then he introduced me to other industry, you know, veterans. So um, I think, but again, those cold, um, you know, outreaches and going through LinkedIn, things like that. I think it's always best when you come in really prepared. So everyone that I reach out to, I did make a ton of connections, mostly outside of the industry, to be honest, mostly with other female founders to get connected to just this great community and create this, you know, network of amazing women. But I think the way that I approached that, again, was going in with a lot of the legwork done. So Mm -hmm. being very specific in an ask, um, coming in with the knowledge about what their background is and what their specific, you know, um, kind of expertises. I always say like, don't go in saying, Oh, can I, you know, pick your brain? Like I go in really specific with how I, you know, how I maybe can lend something that's helpful for them and what would be helpful for me and also really having a good understanding of their background. So I think that's the best way to approach anybody, to be honest. I, there, there's a lot of valuable nuggets within that. I love that. As I have a lot of athletes or former athletes that listen to this. And I think it reminds me as you're speaking to this is um, it mirrors like the kind of like the corporate world in general or the athletic world where you come in as a freshman, you know, you got to work your way, particularly if you're like high level college and freshman, you carry the balls, you learn the system, you come in as prepared as you can, like training, but you're still not on that level. Uh, and then, you know, sophomore, junior, senior, you kind of work your way up and earn your respect. And that's, as you were saying that, that's kind of like what I was thinking. I'm like, of course you got to enter every situation. Um, come correct as much as you can, but then you just got to learn and stay humble and then work your way in. And I think in industries that are protective, I actually really like that, like coming from CrossFit and lacrosse and whatnot. Um, it's, it's very cultish in the best way, but they're so, it's so mission driven. and so from their heart space, even if it's their financial space and how they make a living, but they're so protective because it's their passion. It's their love. It's their community. And I appreciate that protectiveness of, of it. So if you can understand it and work your way in, like, I think you did, I think that's amazing. And I tell all my people working to like facilitate relationships. Cause that's the base of all this go on LinkedIn, try and just reach out to someone, you know, and, and utilize those connections because we're all human beings. And if someone sees that you bleed something, you're truly passionate. I think other passionate people will be like, okay, this girl, she's serious about this. She needs to fix this, but this is good or whatever. And then they, if they've ever been helped, I think they're willing to help um, in return. Was that some of your experience? Totally. And and honestly, and I also am like everyone who DMs me or sends me a LinkedIn message, like I reply to everybody. I yeah. mean, <laughs> my my team sometimes like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I take like all those meetings. I'm like, sure, I'll talk to you. Um, but again, I'm so much more inclined when someone comes with something specific, like I read your story and this really resonated, or I love the story that you wrote, you know, that you're giving back through Purple Bicycle and I love, you know, project and I'd love to hear more about it. And can we talk about this or this that I'm looking for my business? Like those being really specific, um, I'm, you know, so much more inclined to be like, yes, and excited to talk to them. Yeah. Um, and I like your analogy also with the athletes, because I also think you go in and going in, um, being inquisitive and open yeah. to learning. So I always like to say that I'm like to be a learn it all and not a know it all. And I feel like going in and people, um, knowing that you respect that they maybe have, you know, um, more experience and being open and wanting to learn from them and having, you know, 
there's some takeaway from every single conversation that I have. So I think going in that way too, and being like open to other people's ideas and learning from them. Um, it also makes people embrace you more and want to bring you in. And and then you will like, as you start off a freshman year and you're going to learn and gain, you know, um, you're going to gain respect and you're also going to grow and develop. I feel like that's kind of how you do it in business too, is you always want to, to grow and learn more. And I think going in and being, you know, intellectually curious and, and open to learning more and open to learning from people as opposed to going in kind of with like a closed mindset, like, okay, well, I'm doing it this way and I know exactly how it should be done. Um, I just don't think, I don't think you're not going to innovate in, in an industry going in that way. Right. Well, you can do all the research that you can and whatever, but in some of these conversations, if you are open, there's so much Intel right there without you trying to resist and be like, here's the rules. Here's my red tape. Here's how I do it. If you, sometimes if you're just relaxed and just listening, there's stuff you can't even research and find, like you find the in-between just being around people that are quote unquote better than you. And then that's how you kind of level up and get better. And as we get older, I can't say this enough. I'm actually getting back into CrossFit and competing. I'm training with I say kids are 27. They're whooping me, but I'm leveling up around them, getting back into something I was like an expert at. Um, but you can learn. And like, as that level rises, all boats rise. And as we get older, we don't maintain that skill set. Like you have to be really intentional about going out there and being like, okay, I'm not going to be the smartest in the room or the strongest or whatever. And you just go listen and learn as kiddos, you do it. But as we get older, you get out of that. And I think that is like the fountain of youth. If you can kind of stay in that mindset. Totally. I feel like then you also like, there's still so much to learn. I mean, I learned something new every single day. I'm starting a whole new industry and a whole new career. And, you know, um, and I think going in like that, I mean, that's kind of what makes it, makes it exciting. Totally. Um, and not stagnant that there's so much more to learn. Yeah. That journey, all the metaphors come back. You're like, it's not the destination. It's a journey. And you're like, yeah, it's a Hallmark card. And you're like, oh shit, this is true. It's happening again (laughs) as I get older. Uh, Well, so tell me about how did like diversity and inclusion come in? Like, did you have an experience where you felt maybe marginalized as a woman or like, where did this passion piece to include women and be intentional about your journey in this respective space come from? Yeah. So, you know, actually I probably was um, one of the few women in the room for a very long time, but it, it never really occurred to me, I guess, until later in life. So, right. I started out, um, I studied more mathematical subjects than like undergrad. I started in engineering and then I was in accounting and then I worked at a really large law firm. It didn't occur to me that like much later that I was like, Oh, there were, there were really no women really in my apartment and no female partners, which is why when I started, when I decided I want to start a family, I left the law firm and went to go work at McDonald's corporation because I mean, I had great, great experience, but I had like no role models to look at like how you right. could balance like a real, a large law firm life with a family. Um, so I think I've always been in those situations, but never really kind of reflected on it too much. Um, I think for me, because I was re-entering the workforce, um, as a woman being out of the workforce, home raising kids for a number of years. And, you know, I, for me, it was important that I could like do something to make an impact. If I was going to go in and do this, like, yes, I want to have a, a great tequila brand. I wanted mm-hmm. to be a tequila that I love to drink and my friends love to drink. But once I started researching the industry and it didn't take a lot of due diligence to uncover, there are just so few women in the spirits industry. And once I discovered that, I thought, well, not only can I create something and really focus on this like thoughtful female consumer, but I can also just bring another female perspective to the industry. And if I was going to do that, I'm just very transparent and very authentic about like everything I do. Um, 
So if I was going to do that, I'm like, well, then I really have to have women involved in like every part of our process. Mm-hmm. I couldn't like just give it lip service and say, okay, well, we're bringing a female perspective. And then like my, you know, advisory boards made up of all like veteran <laughs> industry executive men. Like it had to really, really for me feel authentic. So I said, okay, I want a female master distiller to bring this to life. I want women involved in every part of our process from like operations to sales and marketing and all female advisory board. I try and work with agencies that are, you know, women owned. So it was just important for just personally for me to be like super authentic. I mean, I'm so transparent that literally every brand, if we even create a cocktail with them, if we put them on that we're doing a collaboration, like they literally have to be brands I like. I mean, I tasted a cocktail with a, a brand that we're going to maybe make a cocktail with and I didn't like it. And I literally couldn't put it on there or someone was going to put on um, a list of picks, like founder picks for a holiday, um, a bag. And I looked at the bag and I'm like, well, I've never carried that. You can't put that on the list. So I am just, I just like being super, you I know, like I like it. truthful and authentic. And so for me, that's what I had to bring to it. I mean, the only perspective I can have is a female perspective going into this, but I wanted, I just wanted to see like, could I create this entire great brand and have all women, you know, as part of it and bring it to life? That's, that's so huge. And I don't know how in depth, I mean, being such an intentional researched human, I'm sure you had this, this process like navigated and unlock. However, I don't think a lot of companies still understand that you can, we were just talking about this before we got on the recorded mic, but how you can promote a message because in this day and age, I, I mean, my company, we, we do consulting and marketing and branding primarily with aligning strategic partnerships, like ambassadors and whatnot. Um, but I only work with mission driven humans and companies, meaning like, great, you have a product, you're great at it. But if you're just doing it for the margin, I'm not your human, you need to do on. It's like, we're giving back, we're doing something bigger. And the flip side of that is just like, as we were talking about how, um, how much information's at our fingertips, our consumer is savvier than ever. And I have so many conversations with high end, big, huge potential accounts, blah, blah, blah. And there's still this disconnect of them truly understanding how savvy our young humans in particular over 21, if you're consuming this product, but how savvy the consumer is, and they can know where you're from, what you did, who the distiller is, where your kids go to school, whatever. I mean, information's everywhere. So I, I love when I get to have conversations like, well, I'm just going to tell the truth and I'm going to let the whole human side be out and blah, blah, blah. We're back in the day. That was kind of like, Ooh, we don't need to tell that now. I'm like humanize the brand, talk about your kid's soccer practice or whatever you're comfortable about. Like the process to get the female to still like all this is extra steps. And it's so much harder than just going what's cost time effective. However, the beautiful thing, it's authentic marketing. All you then have to do when you sit down and do marketing is tell the truth and tell your story versus hiring somebody to create something really fabulous. Like it's a very old school mindset. So I really wanted to take a moment and applaud your approach because it's the truth. And I, and I know that our, our young people or people will consume, even if they don't love the taste, which I believe that they do, will do it just because like, oh my God, look what this woman did, how intentional she was around it. The bottle's beautiful. It tastes great. But really I do it because of the process. Consumers really have not been as far as they've in as advanced as they are right now. So the companies I think are just shifting to catch up. Have you seen in your process, have women or whatever reached out to you being like, we love the product, but like the story, the mission X, Y, Z is super impactful to us. Yes. And I definitely, and I think I also consider this consumer a really thoughtful consumer, like, like me, like you, mm-hmm. we care about what we eat and drink and yes. we care about the brands that we support. And I also, we don't talk down to our consumer. Like I think of her as being very educated, that she can find out that information and she is doing her own research and she's, she wants to know what's in it. She wants to know the transparency. She wants to know there aren't additives and her 
food or drinks. So um, I think, you know, that's how I view the consumer as being someone who's like me, who's like an educated consumer and Mm -hmm. cares about things and is looking into them and doing their research. So that's always how I approach it. Um, And yes, I do think people love to hear that it's an authentic story behind it. If I just went in and like, oh, we made a tequila for you. And they were like, like, who is it? And they never saw the yeah. person buying the brand. Like I really never expected to necessarily put myself out there that much. Yeah. But <laughs> then I realized, you know, they need to know because lots of big brands are like, oh, we created something for you. And they're like, well, who are you? So I think they really need to know that they're, you know, there's a face behind it. There's a person. It's like, you know, um, and it's genuine. And, yes. and I also think, full circle that it is so important to show that, you know, when I talk about that authenticity through all the stages and just like you talked about, like giving back and having purpose, you know, it follows through to our giving back as well. Like we support other female founders on their journeys through grants and mentoring that started, that's been part of our brand ethos from day one. Um, Before we had even a sale, I sponsored a pitch competition um, for women, um, for women's pitch competition. So I think then the whole thing is just, it's exciting, right? It's yeah. all about supporting female founders. I'm thinking, you know, this is, this is the start of something, but my whole view is that as women-owned businesses become successful, that you have more women out there to invest back into other female founders. And that's how we will eventually kind of start to, you know, level the access to capital, right? So oh, that's why I kind of, I, I live it. I breathe it. I support other female founded businesses. I buy from them. I gift from them. I mean, it's just, I I feel like this point, like totally ingrained in like everything about not just Inspiro Tequila, but, but me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm into all that. And I'm so glad. I think there's, there's one part of that I really want to highlight because I, I speak with so many people that are uh, 30 and above, probably 40 even above, but they, they've started this company. They don't necessarily want to be the face of it. And I so get that. But so many of my conversations and the reason I started this podcast was because I've got these fitness influencers or they're beautiful or whatever. And then behind that, you know, there's eating disorders. There's all this like you smoke in mirrors. And I'm like, I have to start telling the truth. I'm on marketing branding. I can't be like the person, you know, driving some of this and it's not my heart space. So I wanted to bring varsity humans on the mic that didn't necessarily want to be influencers. But in the, you know, three, four or five years, I've loved seeing people being more okay with getting in front of the mic, getting on podcasts, getting on social media. And even though it's like initially cringy because it feels so myopic, it's not. It's so critical to like display who you are, let the truth be seen, provide your ethos in the game. So it can be like, oh my God, I love this girl. She's hilarious. And she has good tequila. Like all these, like the narrative around social media is starting to shift. Thank goodness, because there is a lot of cringe factor. But on the flip side, it's so powerful in connecting and telling the truth. And it's been a journey even for myself to get, uh, people over 30 for the most part to like embrace it, but it's really a great thing. So I really want to applaud that you have kind of stepped in and further shared it. Cause I think you can tell a lot of stuff, but when you model it and the representations there, it's a game changer. I appreciate that. And social media was like a whole big unknown for me, to be honest. <laughs> I didn't even have a Facebook account. In fact, someone just told me yesterday, she's like, why don't I see this stuff going up on Facebook? I'm like, I don't even know how to use it. So I'm, I'm really good on LinkedIn. Um, I'm getting Instagram. I'm like, oh, don't give me one more platform. That I know. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Fun. It's cardio. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a little bit like taking, listen, I, I feel like um, I kind of took an introvert and had to make her into what seems like an extrovert um, in order to you know, to do that and to be the voice of the brand and the face behind the brand so that people know 
who it is that really created and that there is just like, you know, a little old me that, that started this all. Um, so, but, um, yes. And so the whole social media thing is, is, uh, that's a huge learning curve for me. So talk about learning every day. That's that's definitely a big challenge. The space in every landscape is now it's changing so fast and like things are evolving. So you really do have to stay in that humble mindset and constantly learning and get around younger people that have grown up with this and like talk to them and then like find where we all can work together. Like there's so much power in that continuous like learning mindset. Um, but it's just so great. And that representation, I like that you said you linked it, like the ripple effect people, I don't fully think grasp, but it's not just about selling better tequila and satisfying a market. And I know you said she is your brand, but actually two men told me about your brand. Um, so just I a couple of gold, yeah, a couple <laughs> gold stars there, but it's, it's that ripple effect of now we're have more female business, um, entrepreneurs so then funding kicks up, like the ripple effect down the way is huge. And, you know, we're voting with our dollars. So then we get into, you know, <laughs> DC and big food, big farm. Like we like, there's just like such bigger ripples that, you know, foster change, um, down the line. So I really love that you're intentional about that. And I hope that it sounds like you're talking about that and you're pretty transparent about that larger vision. Yes. Well, especially you just mentioned it, like, right. So the reason I started this, cause I'm like, okay, I drink tequila you drink tequila, lots of thoughtful female consumers. I couldn't figure out why brands don't focus on this consumer, right? She does. She makes like 80% of the purchasing decisions. Yes. She's, the main, she's the main entertainer of the home. And I was like, why isn't anyone focused on her? And and I love that men love it. Men love the juice. It's not like I said, men can't drink this. And sure, I sure. didn't put in like a hot pink bottle, but I'm still okay saying that our main focus, our primary consumer who I, you know, created and crafted around is a female consumer mm-hmm. because there are, you know, I don't even know, like 1500 brands that are focused on a male consumer first. So I felt like it's okay that we are focused on a female consumer first and men can still drink it, but I can be very focused on this like thoughtful female consumer who does control a lot of the purse. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. It's, and in every industry, I mean, it's literally the household purchaser. So, and so much of it navigating the ship, we won't go down. This is a whole other podcast. I think we could have a phenomenal combo, but perhaps another time, but it's pretty powerful. And it's the flip side of that is like, okay, don't anyone else do it. We'll do it. We'll capitalize on it. And not only will we, you know, foster a situation that's um, a professional success, but we'll facilitate a community, which in turn is power. So there's so much opportunity there that's beyond whatever your product or service is. It's about recognizing um, the in-between and seeing it with seeing, you know, the full landscape for that's not even being navigated. So it's actually really exciting. Uh, On that note, I do want to make sure we get to the brand specifically, the tequila specifically. Tell me about why is this tequila different? Tell me about the brand name, the inspiration. Give me all the details. Yes. Okay. So Inspiro Tequila, um, after of course, pondering and naming (laughs) and and hiring a naming agency came to me like in the middle of the night, one night, um, it means inspired in Spanish. And so really it's, um, it's named after two women who, um, have been my biggest role models inspired me. And that's my, my grandmother and my mom, both who, I guess, gave me the confidence to believe that I could do anything and enter into any industry they put my mind, mind to, um, that I was very capable. So I feel like having them as role models in my life, um, it really was important to me to, to name it after them. And then, we have two expressions of tequila. So I told you that, you know, we created something that was additive free. So I wanted to create like the sweeter taste profiles that people tend to like, especially the women told us which, which, you know, brands they like, but to do it without using additives. So our Blanco tequila, um, and 
of course, you from my branding marketing, I'm sure battle design was really important to me. So I really wanted this like sleek and sophisticated battle that also was easy to hold and pour, not like the big stout round battles, something that I would like to display. Um, So the first expression is our Blanco and it's called a Luna Blanco because it's been rested in barrels for a really short period of time. And that's what allowed us to create these sweeter tasting notes of like vanilla and caramel with some citrus and hints of mint. And it's a very easy to drink Blanco tequila. So you really can drink it on its own, on ice, you know, or with a little bit of soda or just a clean cocktail. Like you don't have to mask it in some like really sugary drink because it is good enough quality to, it's a sippable Blanco tequila. Um, Very little bite um, on the back end as well. So there's not a lot of burn and that's was specifically created to make it an easy to drink Blanco tequila. Um, Our Reposado is our brand new limited release. And this one was really, um, this is like, uh, like kind of like a, I mean, the first one's my baby, but this one really was um, a passion project because it is the first and only tequila that's been aged in rosé wine barrels. So I had to like kind of scour the earth to find (laughs) rosé wine barrels (laughs) that we could use because rosé is a young wine, so it's not traditionally aged. So it's not that easy. I I kind of thought it'd be easier, but it's not that easy to find rosé wine barrels. And because I actually am a rosé fan, but don't love the after effects and the sugar, it's like, is there any way I could take rosé wine barrels and somehow aged keel in it? So we did. And it's really unique. Um, it's Asian rosé wine barrels and finished in Pinot Noir barrels. So that's what lends it this like rose gold hue. Yes. So we do not use, there's no coloring added because it's at, confirmed additive free. So without any coloring, we're able to create the rose gold hues just based on the barrels. And it's a really rich and complex taste profile. Like um, vanilla, caramel, white chocolate, roasted oh. pineapple, a little bit of a nuttiness. We generally, because super like high quality and, you know, really complex profile, we traditionally just show it like drinking it on like a cube, like one big, um, cube, like how you drink, like a really fine scotch whiskey or something sure. like that. Um, but it's, it's a really exciting new expression and, uh, so it's, and it's, you know, I think unusual, we've gotten great reviews from both of them. You talked to Mike, he just actually got the Rosa Reposado. I just had sent okay. him a sample. Um, but yeah, we've gotten great. We've really received great feedback on, on both of them, on both expressions. Yeah. Well, they, so I'm, I'm not to interrupt you. I'm a Blanco drinker and I, I'm usually tequila, soda, lemon, kind of like you. This is for, I've only tried the Blanco version of um, Inspiro, but you don't even need the lemon. You can just do the soda or just sip it. I try not to sip it neat uh, because sometimes if it's good, you'll drink way more than you think, especially just really smooth. <laughs> so we, we add the soda in there is like kind of like a mild hydrator, um, but you don't even need the lemon. It's actually genuinely very good. And if you ever gone out with me, like, you know, I'm pretty picky and I will sit there and ask the restaurant what tequilas they carry and blah, blah, blah. It's probably annoying, but anyways, yeah, it's, it's, it's like the person you go on uh, out to dinner with, it's on a diet and they're asking for gluten. And it's so annoying. I'm kind of like that about tequila, but then I ask him that question. Okay, good, good. (laughs) Um, but that's beautiful. Wait, so Rose, all, as you were saying that all I'm thinking is like Nicki Minaj needs to be one of your ambassadors because she loves Rose and tequila and it's pink and like, anyways. Yeah. Um, what, what was the passion behind the Rose just because you were a fan and you like, let's couple this together. You know what? Cause I was like, is there any way to combine like rosé with tequila? And then I tried, like, there's like a 
rosé infused back or something like that. I wanted to see how to it. And it was like, absolutely. It was like, I couldn't drink it. And I was like, okay, well, we're not going to infuse rosé because then you're getting the wine effects. And I wanted to be in tequila, but I said, I really want to do something unusual. Well, one, just like you, many women told us that they prefer, prefer a Blanco, like a clear yeah. spirit, right? Healthier connotation. So I thought if I was going to introduce women to like an aged expression and to go to the next level, I wanted it to be like a different and something that also resonated and maybe um, something a little more known to them. So if that's why I thought using rosé wine barrels, here you have something you know, rosé wine, fresh and light and, and then tequila. And so I was just thought that would be a good pairing and a good way to, to try and introduce this consumer to like a little bit, you know, if you went to more of a tequila kind of sewer level to like up at like one level to like an aged expression. Yeah. Um, and I also just didn't want to do something that everybody had done already. Mm-hmm. So I thought it, I love color. I wanted it to have like a pinkish hue, a rose gold hue, um, and the only way to really do that was to use wine barrels as well. If not, you're adding coloring and I didn't want to do that or add any, you know, coloring or flavoring to it. So um, that's kind of what was behind it for me and just to create something. And it also was kind of a challenge because I brought in this legendary master distiller and Anna Maria Romero Mania has like created many, many tequilas, but she'd never done anything in rosé wine barrels. So, yeah. and she is a sommelier as well. So I just thought it can be a fun project and a different, you know, giving her also this like autonomy to try and create something totally new. Um, and you know, you go out, there's lots of tequila brands. There are a lot to choose from. So if I was going to do it, I really want to make sure that we could do something like a, you know, a twist on something and do it a little bit, a little bit different than what anybody else is doing. I love that. And I think that's actually a really, again, from authentic space, an excellent play to get some of that shelf space. Cause it's really hard to break into restaurants and these are other, you know, big relationships you got to have with major retailers. But if you offer something really unique and different and you can get the consumer to request it or it becomes a thing, um, it's a really good way to kind of shift the industry on its head and make them start playing by your rules. Have you guys been pretty successful in navigating some of those relationships and those spaces? Yeah. So we've, we've had, um, people have been really receptive to it as far as like retail and retail chain. I also think it's helpful to be, you know, you're not going to find a whole lot of uh, certified women-owned brands mm-hmm. in this realm, um, and especially in tequila. So, and I think a lot of them, thankfully, have big diversity initiatives, that, um, you know, for the corporations, which I appreciate. Yeah. So I think that for us is particularly helpful for retail chain. You know, the the spirits world and in general, you know, al- alcohol industry, it's, it's complicated because the laws are the same laws that have been in in place since 1933 post prohibition. <laughs> so, um, as much as, you know, retailers like us, we need a distributor to enter any mm-hmm. state. So every single state we enter into, we need to have a distributor partner there to be able to sell. Like I can't go in and sell to any retailer without a distributor as an, you know, go between. Right. So we're very focused now because I'm in Chicago, I'm building out like one market at a time and trying to, you know, go state by state, but very thoughtfully and strategically. So, mm-hmm. We're, we're really focused Illinois right now. We just, you know, launched and launched in retail and, and, you know, bars and restaurants in Illinois. Um, so focusing, working and looking at a little bit, you know, going like inch wide, mile deep and, and building our presence really well in one market at a time. Um, I think that's our approach. That's my approach. Cause I generally like to be pretty like meticulous and, mm-hmm. 
and make sure we've established it really well before we go to the next next market. Um, except for Colorado's definitely on our radar, so we want to be there. <laughs> oh, me. Oh, no, I, I, you already know I'm going to be the, well. Anytime like the missions and the passions align, I'm um, I'm a fan. But if it's like something I genuinely bleed in and, and, and a consumer of, um, I'm 100. percent But anything health and wellness, like I'm going to be talking to you because I really want to do link up with a tequila company that's for health and wellness, human specifically. And I can't agree with you more though. Being in the marketing and branding game for so long, doing it like kind of slow piece by piece because each market is super different. Even if like your plans yeah. and your process is similar. It's pretty different. And I'm always deeply passionate about ambassadors and influencers in the right way. Um, because I do think there'll be a taboo point of social media and all this overexposure being too much. But if you have like your humans in real life, reverberating your gospel the right way, that's all you need. So I'm always passionate about like finding the right people, but you need those people that authentically speak to each community and each region and whatnot. Totally. And they really have to be true fans. Like, honestly, oh, totally. even people have said, Oh, send it to me. We'll do something for you. I'm like, wait, let me, try it first, make sure yeah. you like it. Like, I don't want people speaking on, you know, on Inspiro Tequila's behalf if they don't really love it. Like I want everyone to try it yes. and be real fans of the brand. Um, so I, I agree with that. I, there has to be, again, again, that authenticity and, and you want real, you know, cheerleaders who, mm-hmm. who genuinely love it. And you can tell, you can tell when people, um, you know, are being, are being real or just like holding a bottle, you know? Um, <laughs> totally. So. Yeah. Well, if you cultivate that community, this is why I love influencers have like, another like ick factor and like kind of cringe there. But if you, if you have people that are excited about what you're doing and even with Tumorkin together, they want to wear the shirt, that's cool, but they're excited that it's a female doing this. And then they feel part of that community. And then I can update them on things and like that. And it's just so much bigger than the brand or the, or the product or the mission at hand. It's collective people excited about something, being a part of something. And then they get to talk about all the things around that something. So it's, it's a really cool time to be in marketing branding with companies like you guys that are so mission driven because we're doing so much more. We're going to talk about what we're drinking or wearing or whatever anyways. It might as well be somebody that we like are genuinely excited about and people will bleed it. If you find the right ones, they will genuinely bleed the crap out of whatever you're doing. I may need you to help me then figure out who the right ones are. I got you. I told you yeah. that's, that's a whole unknown world for me. So. It's we Call me at any time. Happy to help. Even if we did something formal, great. But I always look out for uh, my fellow mission-driven humans because it is such protective space because it's not just about, like we said, the product and everything else. It's like we're reverberating positivity and it's high vibes. It's mission-driven. It's setting example. It's representation. Um, it's a lot of stuff that matters and it's uh, bigger than us. So we can always get, get into that. But I'm, I'm just excited about what you're doing. I hope people listening to this can see how you went from one industry and then just leaped whole head into another one. I think this is the day and age to do that. And on the flip side, and we'll kind of um, wrap up here, it's soul fuel for you, like outside of the business, outside of the mission, how like invigorating and like just fueling of your own personal self has this journey been? It is, you know, I really, I kind of think of this as my like selfish endeavor, to be honest, right? I've been home um, and CEO of my household and raising three kids for many years and this to me is like doing something for me. Mm. Um, I kind of, I, you know, as great as, as it is, and I'm so fortunate that I could do that and have the ability to stay home. But like, you know, you don't get that great positive feedback. My kids don't tell me every day that I'm like doing a great job or give me a performance <laughs> review or a good grade or anything like that. You know, um, if I get a, like, that was a good dinner, that's like a big win. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like for me, I was, a little bit missing that like external validation and also, you know, being able to really like own something and dive in. I mean, this is, 
And especially from seeing something from start to like getting it on the shelves, like I don't think it'll ever get old for me. Yeah. Literally, I walk into my local grocery store and seeing it on the shelves and like I keep going back and I, I keep walking over there, I keep going in and just to go look at it on the shelves. I'll take another picture of it on the shelves um, because it's like really seeing something come to life that you developed and created on your own. I feel like this is like my fourth child. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually think, you know, a lot of things, listen, a lot of balls are dropping. I'm forgetting to do a lot of things that, you know, my family needs me to do, I'm sure, because I... I'm not going to say I'm great at balance and figuring it all out and getting everything done. I'm, I'm not. Um, but I, and, and I think it's, it's an okay learning, you know, experience for them too. And that they're learning how to like, Oh, we are going to have to figure some of this out on our own because mom's really busy doing something else right now. But, but for me, um, building it, creating something, having my own company, it's really been like a dream, something I always wanted to do. And now I'm finally, you know, and there's no perfect time. So for anyone thinking about it, like, it's not like that was the ideal time. I started this in February, yeah. 2020, right before everything shut down in the entire world for COVID. So it's, and I had two kids applying to colleges and everything. I mean, it's, it's never a great time. There's always a million things you're juggling, but it, it wasn't perfect time, but it was my time. And yes. this is like, for me, um, I, I do, I feel like the women I'm connecting to, talking to you, all these like amazing female founders and leaders and all these different industries, like it's exciting. It, you know, it just lights me up every day and keeps me going. Um, So I actually think of this as like the whole thing is a a selfish pursuit that is really invigorating me. Yes. Well, I got to say, and I think as females, we, anything we do for ourselves is selfish and it's about us. But truthfully, if you are something lights you up and makes you that much happier and the vibration is like tangible and it's like, you need to do that. You're walking in alignment with what you're supposed to be doing. And if you're modeling that your energy changes, everyone around you changes. It's almost like you have a responsibility to follow your heart into it. And I, I rattle into like cliches, but seriously, it's so critical. And I hear this so many times with um, my strong females, like this, was for me and you give yourself everywhere but it's like time out it's not a biopic to be on social media it's not myopic to go do this like you owe it to yourself you have a responsibility to walk in your truth and where you feel aligned because you're shifting the energy and everything around you your young your kiddos will see that your partner will see like everything shifts but it's the shift in us is like the hard part so i'm i'm so glad and i give you all the gold stars for all the thankless dinners that were probably amazing my mom had four of us i don't even know how um (laughs) so i'm guessing that was the easy part but um i i really applaud you chasing that I don't think it's selfish at all. So I just have to say that I think it's a responsibility and I'm so glad you're doing it. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. And I feel like it's like me living a little bit of my truth. Like this is a person that they didn't know me before yeah. being just their mom. I was a really, really driven, intense, you know, hardworking. Like I did that at home also, but like, you know, outside of the home. And now I think they're getting to see that a little bit um, about me and hopefully appreciate that and hopefully setting some good examples, you know, for them. But I think it's kind of good to see me a little bit more and in what I always thought of as kind of my element. So, Yeah, I, I think it's amazing. And balance is a lie. So let the balls drop, whatever. We all, yeah. this is something I'm still learning, but it's like, you just embrace the chaos and like, it'll get done. And if it doesn't, we're doing the best we can. Um, what is what is like the one last piece of advice you have for anyone, perhaps a mom make, looking to make a leap, but like any piece of advice that you wish you would have heard as you were starting this journey? Gosh, when I was starting, um, 
I would say I try and live by this like Sarah Blakely quote now, where is if someone can do something 80% as well as you can, let them do it. So um it's very hard. It's hard to let go of any, you know, you're starting something on your own. It's really hard to let go of anything. And I have a very difficult time. I'm a micromanager <laughs> to a fault. And so it's hard to do that, but it's really necessary. Like I'm like one body trying to do too many jobs mm-hmm. and I'm really, and even if it's home, if it's work related, home related, like there's certain things that don't require me. There's someone who's better at it, more skilled at it, can do it quicker than me. Um, I, social media is a great example. I'm, I'm slow. I'm not that great. Someone else can handle it way better than yeah. I can. So that's a little bit like, I wish I'd started that from the beginning, but just finding people who can take some of those things off your plate because, um, I just think at some point you, you can't, you can't do everything, yeah. you know, you can do yeah. some of things really well, but you can't do everything all the time. It's the truth. It's, I mean, I started this podcast for other people, but every time I ask a question like that, I feel like universe comes to whip my ass. Cause that's something I'm literally specifically focusing on right now. Like letting go, stop trying to do everything. You're exhausted. You're ble- like, so, um, thank you received, even if that wasn't specifically for me, <laughs> I'm taking it in. Um, I think that's so critical cause it is hard. And you know, when you're representing yourself and you're working, it's your baby. It's hard to let something be 80% that isn't your 80% even. So it's, it's a whole thing, but, um, that's phenomenal advice and received. Like I said, it's a, I'm a work in progress with that. So I'm trying, okay. and I'm, I'm like trying to, you know, bring that into my own <laughs> yes. head as well. Cause I, you know, I don't know if I'm great at implementing it, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. Progress over perfection. Like I said, one day at a time, we just do, we chip it away and we get a little bit better. Uh, okay. So Mara, I love all this. I have a hundred more questions, but I want everyone to go check out Mara as a human. I, we love the company, but I want you to check the human behind the cause is, is everything. So, um, get yourself some Inspiro tequila, go check out Mara's has going on. Mara, where do we find you on social media yes. handles, websites, hit us with it. Perfect. So you can find me on B inspired by Mara, B E inspired B Y Mara, M A R A also on Inspiro tequila. So I N S P I R O tequila. Um, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, a lot to think Pinterest. Um, I told you I'm not great at all the yeah, social good. media, but, um, you can find me on LinkedIn where I'm very active on LinkedIn. I actually, that's my favorite platform on LinkedIn on Mara Smith. Um, yeah. And you could find us online. So if you're not in the Illinois area, um, and you want to order, we ship to 45 states. You can find us on inspirotequila.com. So www.inspirotequila.com. Professional. Look at that. A podcast or two, we can tell. I love, I love it. Um, go seriously, go dig into the details on the journey, the human, like I said, all of it. I think you'll be deeply inspired. I genuinely endorse the Blanco tequila. I'm sure I will endorse the other one. I have not tried it yet. And we always keep it 100, but I'm, I'm a fan and you know, I'm picky. So go see what they have going on and get inspired. And I hope somebody that's listening, that's thinking about taking the leap, go do it. I love that you said there's no perfect time, but it was my time. I think that is, um, that in itself can be a mission statement of just (laughs) go out there and put out to win. Mara, thank you so much for your time and energy. I can't wait to see where this goes in six months. I'll be stalking you guys no matter what for fitness ambassador space, because we're just going to be a super fan over here. Um, but I can't wait to see how things grow and I wish you all the best of luck. Thank you. Thanks, Kristen. It was so great being on. on, And I'm so glad that you tried it and love it too. Yes. Yes. Like I said, we'll be chatting more for sure. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.